Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, pretty good. It's been a busy weekend with lots of article writing and match reporting and um, watching lots of football, but you know the... We love that, don't we? I mean, what's what is there better to do than writing and reporting about football, right, Bryce? I mean, but how have you been? How's your weekend been? Yeah, not too bad. I went uh, to Craven Cottage in oh. uh, London to watch uh, Fulham for the first time. That that was fun. Nice old school grinds. And Were you stuck they want... behind a post? No, thankfully <laughs> not. As in one of the stands, uh, one of the stands, yeah, has big posts. Uh, the other three aren't so bad. Now is in one of those aren't so bad ones. But uh, they won two 0 against uh, Nottingham Forest. That, that was fun. So yeah, pretty good weekend. Um, I suppose we may ask how Ollie's week bit has been now that he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't officially uh, report um, on behalf of uh, analysis for his company for Liga MX. How, how's it been, Ollie? How are you? Uh, I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, um, it's been different, I would say. I mean, not having to work till 3 and 5 a.m. is definitely a bonus, but then missing out on all the action is, yeah, it's not, it's not, not, the, not the best sort of weekend in my eyes when I've been having to stick, having to do, uh, super written friendlies and putting in transfers and stuff like that. I mean, I've been talking to you off podcast about how bad the standard of the football is in the friendlies. So, it surely can only get better when the season starts in a couple of months' time, but it's been an, an, a, a different week for me. Maybe maybe not one of the most enjoyable, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure it'll get better, Ollie, or <laughs> you can just hope that they move you to a different league at some stage. But uh, we've got plenty to discuss today um, about uh, Mexican uh, football. Um, before we get to Liga MX, uh, let's talk about one of the stars in uh, European football at the moment in uh Chucky Lozano. I mean, Lozano has, uh, went to the Eredivisie play, and been playing for a PSV um, since his transfer in the summer. And we always knew that, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a, a betting in periods and, you know, it might be a little bit tough for him going from, uh, from the likes of uh, Mexico to Holland. But he has absolutely hit that league. Uh, in tremendous form, and it doesn't seem to be letting up anytime soon. He scored 12 goals and got four assists. He's definitely going to be one of the uh, men to watch, uh, not just for El Trey, but for uh, for all the supporters, I suppose, uh, of football going into the World Cup. I mean, Manu, um, he's he's definitely um, had a fantastic season, and he's going to be one to keep the keep an eye on, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, PSV is so good and getting these players from Latin America. Remember Ronaldo, and I mean the original Ronaldo, um, the Brazilian Ronaldo started his career there and European career there, of course, and Estet Romario. So this is a club that's very good at identifying players from the Americas, bringing them in, developing them, and then sadly selling them on to one of the big leagues, right? Um, but having Lozano has been an absolute absolute revelation in the Eredivisie, um, a fantastic player. And you know, we were talking off part about how we're getting closer and closer to the World Cup in Russia. We're only four months away from the actual kickoff at the Lushniki Stadium in Moscow. And so we're at the Football Grad Network. We, of course, we're reporting very closely um, from the World Cup and everything goes well. We're going to be there. So it's um, it's something that we, we like to focus on and look at some of the players that can have a major impact at that World Cup, right? Some players that are maybe not the big stars yet. But every World Cup is always good for that 
player that no one has heard about or not many people have heard about before um, and then becomes a major star. And I think hearing Lozano is definitely one of them. I think he could be he could be one of those players that have a real good World Cup and become these emerging stars. Remember last World Cup, of course, 2014, it was James Rodriguez, right, from AS Monaco then, and he's now finding his form again for Bayern, um, who made the World Cup his own and became a major star in the, in, at the tournament and is now a major star around the world. Yeah, most certainly. Um, I, I mean, a, a good World Cup, you know, can mean for uh, nearly any player, can it? Um, you know, they could make that big move to a bigger club, I suppose. Um, he, he was linked in the January transfer window to the likes of uh, Arsenal as well when they were, well, to be fair, they were linked to quite a few players. But um, Ollie, a- anyone that's maybe tuning into this and they don't know um, who Chucky Lozano is or, or, or don't watch Eredivisie or never watched Liga MX, what kind of player is he? Yeah, Lozano, I mean, he's, from, he's an absolutely superb player, first of all, from when I covered him for about six to seven months when I first started with Liga and Mech when he was still at Pachuca just before he left for a PSV. He was absolutely superb, just absolutely tearing teams apart. He was doing it in the CONCACAF Champions League as well. I think he got like eight in eight, which is, even even that being the CONCACAF Champions League, it's impressive stuff. Uh, where he plays, he's predominantly he plays down sort of like the left wing. He can play on the right as well. And to a lesser extent through the middle, but he's definitely most effective like on the wing where he can use his he can use his speed, he can use his like really good dribbling ability to sort of take players on, cut inside, come back in, cut, cut inside, go go past them. He's just like he's he's both footed as well, which is which is good a good attribute to have as well. I think one thing that would could impress most people, his finishing is really impressive. You wouldn't you just sort of look at him thinking, okay, maybe he's a really tricky winger, he's can only cross the ball really well, which of course he can do, but his the, he, I mean, his goal record sort of speaks for itself so far this season. Was it 12 goals in like 18, 20 appearances? It's phenomenally good for for someone who could who you probably wouldn't think would be. He can sort of score from most regions as well. He can score close. He's actually surprisingly good header of the ball as well. So he really is like an absolutely massive threat. And as Manu mentioned, that was the comparison I was going to make as well. Obviously, the Hammers Rodriguez when he was at Porto moved on to Monaco, and then we know how he went from there. If Lozano plays anywhere near as well as he does for PSV in the World Cup for Mexico. I mean, he, as you said, destined for bigger and better things. That he, he could easily move to the Premier League, probably even move to another major European league. And Manu, where do you see him possibly going um, after this? I mean, it's, it's obviously hard to tell whether like a Barcelona or someone like that would come in, but where would you see a good progression going from Liga MX, Eredivisie to where? Well, I I know where I would like to see him. Um, I'm not sure that's that's actually going to happen. But I, I know Borussia Dortmund will have a lot of money to burn in the summer. Because remember, they, they sold Aubameyang, they sold Dembele, and they haven't actually spent any of that money. And the only money that they spent was for Yamolenko, which was, I believe it was 20 million euros. And they brought in Batshuayi on a basically on a free deal. Um, Arsenal is actually paying the loan money, the 1.5 million loan deal, and they haven't really decided yet if, if they're going to make that deal permanent. So um, they have a lot of money to burn, and I could I could see them use them um, really well too. It would be the sort of player that they could use very well. Um, so I, that would be a great step for him, 
Um, I hate to use the term next step because it would imply another step, right? And uh, I think Dortmund are working very hard at not being that team that is the step to another step. Um, so that would be a great side. I think, you know, um, I want to throw in Bayern München is in here as well. Um, this is all, of course, speculation, right? Uh, um, really need to point this out. But Bayern are going to lose Ribéry and Robin as early as this summer. And um, yes, there's Canabri is coming in, Leon Goretzka is coming in, but they will make in, they will make at least another one like major signing, bring in another star, and he is of course someone who could replace someone like Ribery and Robin. So I want to throw them in, and then you have your usual subjects. If, if he plays a great World Cup, you could see um, Real Madrid come in, Barcelona come in because he's Mexican, right? And for them, these are important. Mexico is an important market. Um, just like Colombia was for, for Real as well. So because these, these teams, when you're actually in Mexico City, there actually is a Barcelona fan store in Mexico, officially run by Barcelona. I think Real have one too. So, you know, they would be very inclined of having someone like him in there. And then all your Premier League sides, you know, the top, what is the top five, six could probably all afford him. Um, depending on who, who's, who needs whom, right? Um, Arsenal have just signed Aubameyang and Mikitarian. Not sure they need him. Sanchez is going, just gone to, Manchester United, but um, Liverpool would be a good team. I think that could use him. Tottenham would be another one if they lose Harry Kane, which which seems a possibility. So I think there's there's going to be there's going to be a good market for him in the summer. You know, all these clubs that I just listed, they're all realistic destinations for his next step, and they're all going to have the money, the burn that will cost to bring him in because you know his current market value. Um, I, mean, I, I use transfer mark for this. It's 22 million euros. I reckon he'll probably go for twice that much, which is still not bad in this market. So I think they, there is going to be a hot, hot market for him in the summer. Yeah, that's it. I, I remember it was linked um, to these other clubs in January. The rumored price was to be about 45 million. So you're probably hitting the nail on the head with that one. And just before we move away from it, um, Oli, do you think uh, the likes of uh, Lozano, if, if he comes to the Premiership, if he goes to uh, Bundesliga or La Liga or, or wherever he ends up, do you think he's ready for that next step? How do you think he would cope with these leagues? I think he's ready, yeah. I think the, the way he's been able to adapt to European football with PSV so easily, just short with this, would show to other clubs as well, if he can do that after just being in Mexico, quite, quite, a young, quite a young man as well, to come in and do that and really sort of tear up the league, then I, I can't see there being go to, say, a Liverpool, a Tottenham, a Dortmund, and just settle in perfectly. I mean, personally, I think maybe, I think possibly a Tottenham would probably be the best move for him, working with Pochettino and playing on the, probably coming in playing on the wing where Labella could be probably playing at the moment or Son's playing there, which probably would be the right fit for him. Again, Dortmund would also be a really good fit. Like maybe not complete top tier sides, maybe just the one below at the moment. And like, again, like when uh, Hamas Rodriguez, he went from Porto to Monaco, sort of slowly was progressing. Maybe Lozano could do the same as well and then find himself, as I said, at maybe a Real or Barca. Very exciting. Well, yes, as a Liverpool fan, I think I would welcome him um, into the side. But uh, I, I think a lot of teams would. I think it's going to be exciting to see where he ends up and, uh, it's very possible that he's going to have a, a good tournament as well. Going into it's in great form. He just needs to um, stay wrapped in cotton wool. I I think um, going uh, into the 
the uh, latter part of the season. Um, I'm sure Osario will be uh, wanting to keep him fit and fresh. But um, guys, let's move away uh, from that now. Um, uh, in other news, uh, we've seen uh, MLS and Liga MX uh, discuss um, the possibilities of uh, their champions uh, playing each other. Manu, tell us a little bit more about this. And this is a story that um, was actually published in the National Post in, in Canada, um, of all places, because um, the the it would be a game of the champions. Um, so the I guess it would be the Clausura champion and the current MLS champion, which is Toronto. And this game is supposed to take place in the summer of 2018. So this upcoming summer at BMO Field in Toronto. Um, this does not mean it's a done deal. It's just there's strong indications that this is, could happen. And I, I, I mean, you know, summertime is uh, in the United States. Summertime is always a very good time for these kind of games because there's also the International Champions Cup going on with a lot of the big European sides here. Uh, Borussia Dortmund and Bayern, for example, are playing a friendly in Chicago this summer as well. Uh, in August. So this is a good time for these kind of games, right? Because there's a huge appetite in the United States in, in the summertime to go to these friendly games. There's, there's a lot of, um, television time for it, uh, because a, a lot of the traditional leagues are not on. So, um, this is a good time to, to host something like that. And it, it would make a lot of sense. I think it'd be a fun, fascinating matchup, um, to be quite frank. The only thing that I'm kind of wondering, and I mean, we've discussed this now so much already, is the, the CONCACAF Champions League. And the, the way the CONCACAF Champions League is now set up is with the um, going straight into the round of 16 playoff stage means that um, right now they are the MLS teams and the uh, Liga MX teams, they're all playing teams from other places in Central America. But by the time we get to the quarterfinals, which is already the next level, we could have all the teams facing each other being uh, Liga MX and MLS teams. So I, I almost wonder if you need a Super League or if you need this Champions of Champions match, if you're going to have these matchups anyways in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, I wonder almost if a reform of the CONCACAF Champions League is a better idea to create a continental competition. But for now, that's what they want to do. And I think it wouldn't be a bad time to do it in August. And uh, BMO Field is a fantastic venue. It's a beautiful stadium. And uh, Toronto in August is just absolutely stunning um, to play football at. Ollie, would this be an, an idea that you'd um, support as well? Would you like to see the two um, champions face each other? Definitely. I mean, it's one that's been floated about for quite a few years now and so it's glad that they're finally sort of be able to work together and get it done for potentially August or I think it, I might say could be September time as well yeah I'd definitely be up for it yeah I mean Toronto I think I, I, not, I don't really follow the MLS but Toronto seems to be a very very strong side and they would probably give whoever wins the Clausera a, a real good like run for their money you'd, you'd hope it would be like for a personal point but you, you want to have it to be the best league of Mexico side so like no offense to maybe the likes of club america or something like that but you want this to be against like a monterey or a tigre to really show the qualities of both leagues and show why both leagues is as good as they are but touching back on the uh champions league uh thing again wellesley some maybe sometimes the mls sides don't show how good they are because obviously that when that, that starts in a month's time maybe maybe more of their Obviously, they're still coming through pre-season and stuff like that. So, with this match potentially being August, September, the seasons of both seasons are already going for both the sides. So, it could be sort of a fairer matchup in terms of the team's fitness as well. So, but no, overall, for this year, I think it'd be it'd be really exciting and possibly a way to 
you said Manu mentioned about changing the um changing the uh, the uh, format of the Concacaf Champions League. Maybe this is one uh, maybe one step of just getting there somehow. And uh, Manu, obviously, you would go to the uh, game in Toronto, right? <laughs> uh, it no? is it is right next door you know canada is such a small country that i can just uh, hop on a bus and uh, be there in no time it's actually a five it's actually a five-hour flight <laughs> um, you've traveled further to see games i'm sure yeah but uh you know it costs me almost the same amount of money to fly to toronto than it costs me to fly all the way to europe and I'm spending a significant think, chunk of time in Europe this summer, um, obviously before the Russia World Cup. Um, but um, my goal is actually go to Chicago to that Bayern Dortmund game, Bryce. I'm not sure if both will be in the budget, but hey, we'll see. Maybe. I'm not saying outright no. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, right? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I just think it's a... A little hop, you know, coming from Northern, where everything's a little hop. I mean, five and a half hours, you could drive across the country and back probably five times. So, you know. Um, anyway, um, let's move on to um, a bit of transfer news as well, where we see a U.S. Uh, national uh, team player, Rubio Rubin, uh, signed for uh, Cholos this week, um, who's a forward. I don't know a great deal about him. I've, I've been looking up stats I can't find too much. He, he looks like he's predominantly a striker, can play also on the on the right side of the attack. Um, and he's only 21, but he's, he's been around, hasn't he, Manu? He has been around. Um, I have to... I would have to lie when I say I know a lot about him, because I do not. Um, we were joking, is where do they find these guys, right? But at the US, <laughs> it's, it's the way... The MLS is getting better at this, um, in all fairness. But it's the way development systems work in North America means that a lot of times young, young talent, US based talent goes abroad at a very early time. So Rubio Rubens actually has played his entire professional career in Europe. He's, he's never played in MLS. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting one, uh, to that regard. Um, it's, it's someone that, on a personal level, I, I was a bit surprised that he would get a contract in Liga MX because um, he doesn't fit that um, bill, um, that typical player that they would go for. Um, yes, he's only 21. He's he's still quite young, right? Um, he obviously has um, a background, um, a Latin American background. He can play several positions up front, um, has, but you often, I find oftentimes they, they go for, for players that have, if they, if Tijuana goes for US based players, they go for US based players from that San Diego area, right? Players that they have developed themselves. And if, um, if EGMX sites go for Americans, they go for those top talents like, um, Gonzalez, the defender at, um, Pachuca, right? And, mm-hmm. um, Who's of course, who's of course a U.S. national team player has been a U.S. national team player for some time. And, uh, I, I, I just think it's an, it's an interesting one all around in that, in that sense. But yeah, he's, he's young. Uh, he's a U.S. national team player. He's played in, in Utrecht, in Silkeburg, in Starback. So, you, you know, you should know all about him, Ollie. That's, <laughs> okay. That's, Manu, are, the, are these clubs you've just mentioned? Yeah. 
Scandinavia. You, you, they are, yes. Yeah, Scotland, Scotland. But it's an odd one. I, I personally, I think it's a bit of an odd one because you usually don't see League MX sites going for it. This would be a typical Vancouver Whitecaps signing. Um, they like to bring in players, North Americans that have played in, in Scandinavia and bring them over to Vancouver because it's a similar, it's a similar environment to live in. Um, but you don't often see it with, with Liga, uh, Liga MX side. So I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see. My question is to Ollie, um, Holos have so many strikers. Do they even need another one? But they can't, they can't even score goals, can they? <laughs> No, I just think the exact same thing. Like, I just I'm looking at this side now. Okay, obviously Gustavo Boo's going to be the starter. They've got Juan Lucero. Uh, they signed another attacking player as well the other day from Hurichan, uh, Julio Angulo. Then they've got Matias Martinez, Luis Mendoza. I mean, that's like all oh, <laughs> loads of actors right there. Malcora can play up front as well. Bolanos can play up front as well. So it seems like, it does seem a bit of an odd odd signing for so many reasons. Another one, the fact that he's obviously he's he's from the United States, so he'll take up a foreign player spot. Tijuana has so many foreign nationals that there's there's weekends where you have like just two or three just missing out because they just can't fit them all in the squad mm. with the nine nine rule. So, and given he's going to be one of the well in in our system for Tijuana, he's one of the, their lower rated strikers at the moment. I can't, I can't I mean I can't see him started. So he's just going to be is he is he going to come in for a one of the foreign players, it, I really don't know. It's even his stats aren't that encouraging. I mean, it was I think I'm just look, looking here now when he was at Utrecht, he got three and thirty-eight. Then he moved to Starbeck, he made like two appearances, maybe not even that. And then I think he was a project was a Silkeborg as well. And again, he made like only played and he played um he played like three times three times there as well. So. It makes me, I'm wondering like who was scouting him. What who did Tier One send a scout out to like Norway and think we want to go after this Rubio Ruben guy? So yeah, all in all, very out there signing from Tier One. That I mean, he's not going to unless he does unless he comes something is like absolutely incredible. But I can't see him getting much game time in the league at all. Yeah. Do, do we do we know how much they paid for him? No, uh, no, I think it's undis- undisclosed. But we do know because he's the fiftieth, fiftieth, fifteenth signing this uh, this season. Mad. And they have now seventeen foreigners on book. Yeah. So. Although <laughs> he has a Mexican passport, I just checked. He does have. Ah, a okay. But ah, still that makes it a bit easier. Seventeen uh, foreigners in the squad. So guys, uh, we've obviously had five games, uh, five match days gone. Uh, we get to see uh, Cholos concede a goal. Though in saying that, they've only scored three. You know, it's, it's incredible that after five games, you know, that the, they're not sitting too badly in the standings. You know, they're sitting up in fifth, but you know, only three goals. I mean, they've had three different goal scorers. We we mentioned how many strikers they do have, but they they can't seem to hit the back of the net. Uh, I mean. Is is Rubio Rubin going to be the the guy to to change that? I mean, his stats surely, you know, suggest not. Um, but I mean, maybe they've seen something in him that that, that we haven't. I mean, we know very little on him, but um, it'll be interesting to see just how much game time he gets there. I have a I have a weird one. Uh, is Tijuana the new Cruz Azul? Remember mm. when, you look at, <laughs> when you look at the start of the season, one, two, drawn three. That's not too bad. They're currently fifth. 
I mean, that's that's Ligo Ela spot. That's all you want um, at the end of it. I mean, yes, it's only five games played, but remember the 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 fact that there's only 17 games right in a season means that that's already a significant chunk played. We almost a third through now. So um, mm-hmm. yes, it's only five games, but five games and and the setup mean a lot a lot more than they would in any other competition. So, I mean, right now, they're on course to, to get one of those Liguela spots. Is that, in the end of the day, really all that you want? Um, and the other thing is, too, you they basically been... The site has been a construction site all year. When you look at all the signings, players going in and out, I think I counted eight players on loan right now, too, that they have loaned out. Um, so it's it's a, it's a coming and going. I mean, this is not a club. This is a train station. So it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit of an, bit of an odd one for me, uh, personally. But I mean, it's, it seems to be working. Uh, when you think about once they get a little bit of stability into the side, uh, and get these players actually working together, um, I could see them doing some interesting stuff. Yeah, it's an, it is an interesting one. I mean, they've got a lot of players there and we all know that it takes time to embed them in, doesn't it? But, uh, I, I defensively, the, you know, the, the stats don't lie. You know, they look pretty good. And mm-hmm. the table, they don't look too bad either. But if they could just get a few goals, they'd, they'd be very impressive. Uh, the new cruises, though, maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe one final thing to add, Bryce. So um, of all the signings that they've made, right, we count, we count 15. Um, they made 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 9 signings in the forward department. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, not not one of them can uh, seem to get more than two goals in five games. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I think I guess they're still shopping. Is is that what you do? You just throw in items until something fits. Yeah. Do, what is it? You don't go shopping when you're hungry. I mean, they must be starving. That's right. Good lord, starving of goals, I suppose. Um, yeah. Only uh, only Carataro and Veracruz have scored less mm. than them in, in the five games. Uh, obviously, those two teams uh, are, you know, a, a little bit of a, having a little bit of an issue relegation-wise, but uh, they're they're not quite as strong as uh, Cholos at the back, are they? But I, I feel that this is the moment uh, that we can talk about what we're, well, not not so much new now. Uh, we're a few weeks in, but um, to go to uh, Santos Watch, which was a new feature, and also Giannini uh, Watch, though. We haven't got much to say, have we? Really, it was a nil-nil draw. Oli, how did this game go apart from the lack of goals? It wasn't really that great a game. I was having a look at the highlights earlier and really not a lot happened for either side, really. Yeah, I mean, Tijuana looked very comfortable in defence again. I mean, I think I touched on it uh, last week. I think the, the one major difference that's happened to them is the signing of Pablo Aguilar from Club America, again, was immense against Santos Segura, probably again, weird for a 30-year-old centre-back to possibly be one of the best signings of the, the uh, Clausura window so far, but he was being, he's been absolutely superb. Yeah, Tijuana didn't offer a lot, Santos didn't offer a lot, he was, he was trying, I, I'll, I'll give him credit, he was, he was again looking creative, but just it, thing, things wasn't falling for him this week, so this was a bit of a damp squib of a game overall. Yes, very little to report there on any of the watches in, in that mm. sense, I suppose. We'll get to a possession watch at some stage, as we always do. But um, let's move on to uh, Monterey, who we've seen start rather slowly uh, in the campaign. But they, they seem to have sorted things out as they move up the table uh, to first once again, as they won the last campaign. 
they're uh, now leading the charge with it after three wins uh, and two draws and quite a few goals scored as expected. This time we've seen them beating Leon 5-1. Uh, Ollie, we're going to go back to you and say, well, was this one a bit more entertaining for you? Oh, God, it was, yeah. I mean, this is Monterey at their absolute finest. They were absolutely tore apart, Leon. Okay, Leon, they were down to 10 men after 25 minutes, but they were already 2-0 down by then. I mean, the red card, I think it was for a Navarro. If you had two yellow cards in two minutes, both just brainless, just late challenges. Like you, you, okay, the first one you, you could possibly understand is you know, 24 minutes in, but then two minutes later, do like literally the exact same thing. I mean, you're just you're costing your team the entire game. You're two 0 down against Monterey, and then from there they just turned it on. I mean, this another day this could be eight or nine. Yarbrough was at fault for two of the goals. I think it was the first or second one where the shot came in. He, he saved it well, but just basically just pushed it straight back out in front of him, then knocked in, and then I think it was for the third goal, possibly the fourth. Again, that shot just sort of just sort of squirmed under him. I mean, if we talk, we talk about possession, watch Montre had 64%, which obviously they never have more possession. They have never had more than like 40%. But I, with Leon being down for 10 men for so long in the game, I think that that's going to be a, completely understandable. It's like a sort of, this could be like an, an anomaly for them. Mm. But I think what was good, the, the Monterey's, their final two goals, pure classic Monterey breakaway counter-attack goals with pace, four on three, tearing Leon apart. And they just sort of did that all game long, but just there was just time for they was passing it around. And speaking of Leon, I mean, they've seen nine in their last two games. I mean, they were absolutely horrendous against Nakak. So I watched it back recorded this week, actually, as well. Absolutely dreadful. I, I, I was thinking, God, I'm sure they can't play this badly again. And they almost did against Monterey. It's, They've, they've been like such an entertaining side going forward. They, they've had been good. I mean, Elias scored a really good goal to to get one back, but that was their own, literally the only consolation from that game because they were pretty rubbish again. And Manu, where exactly is uh, Landon Donovan in all this? I mean, Leon signed him not so long ago, but no evidence uh, of him being even on the bench once again. Yeah, you almost wonder if it's if it's a bit of a PR gag. I guess it just takes time to regain fitness after uh, how long has he been out a year it was a full a full year that he was out yeah because he mm-hmm. yeah he played uh, the second half of the 2016 MLS season and then of course set out the entire 2017 season on a sabbatical it's a north american thing yeah guys uh, sabbaticals are, are a big <laughs> thing over here so he he did one and uh, second one i believe that he went on a sabbatical and now he's back and i think it's just I guess it's taking time although part of me really wonders um whether this is a bit of a pr gag if you're ever going to see um landy k um play play in liga mx uh, i personally i'm not holding my breath but um if he does show up and does play i i think uh, given by this performance and i think that the worst thing about this game wasn't wasn't that they lost. It's just the way they were playing. It was just mm-hmm. uh, like headless chicken at times. And the I think the um, the uh, double yellow against Navarro kind of points us out. Um, what did you say, Oli? Was it ten minutes? Ten minutes apart? Uh, two two minutes apart. Two minutes apart. Sorry, that's even worse. Yeah, yeah. It was boom boom, right? Um, yeah, and that, that kind of underlines everything for me with how how things went for them in this game and I think they need they they needed something but you know if you give if you give Monterey that kind of room and space and if you're not organized they will just slice you apart. 
and uh, whether Donovan is is going to be that added extra, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all. No, I just, I'm not confident about this at all. Uh, I mean, Ollie, do you think that Lando Donovan's going to come in and be the difference in this side? I, th- I can't see him being the difference in this side. Just like I said, we talk about his fitness and his age. I, he should probably add a bit to it coming off the bench for the final 20 minutes. I mean, but can he be a difference maker? Probably not. I mean, I, th- I, I felt I thought he was going to come back this weekend when I'd written my final preview for Leon the previous week. Again, that was against, which was against Nakaxa. Everything seemed to indicate that he was going to he was going to make his uh, debut away at Monterey. But I think there was a comment by Donovan in the week that he said, "I feel very good. It's the decision of the coach if I travel, but I believe I'm ready to play." So maybe I, I, I think he will eventually play. I think he will probably get some minutes in the cup. But I don't know if he can be the difference maker that maybe he he himself thinks he can be. I just like to touch on quickly Leon's two other new signings that they signed in uh, to start of the window: Giles Barnes and um, Emmanuel Emmanuel Sessini from Malaga. Mm-hmm. Barnes from Orlando. Uh, they've only played in the cup so far. The last three league games in a row, they haven't even been on the bench. Just like, obviously, t- they have to take time to settle in, but just very bizarre that they're not even getting on the bench. Well, Barnes I mean, is another one that confused us a little bit. Yeah, it just uh, sort of like an attacking player, but Leon have a lot of those. And he's uh, another one who's going to probably come off the bench. I mean, Shashini's probably going to add a bit more impact. He can play in the middle. Him next to Mahea would be pretty good. But yeah, they, they don't need a Barnes sort of player. They've got Elias who can play. They've got Andres Andrade who can do that as well. Okay, he's, got, he's decently probably back up to back up probably as well because Bobano's probably better than him, I would say. So yeah, just strange signs that clearly the manager's taking absolutely no risk with any of them and just really waiting to play them in the cup and settle them in. Yeah, but can, can we all agree that uh, Monterey are back? They've they've rid themselves yes. of mm. this uh, hangover uh, in the final. Uh, do, do well? Would the three of us say that they're probably favourites now to uh, to win the whole thing? Oh. Uh, I wouldn't count out. I wouldn't count out Pumas to be honest. No, definitely not. And I, <laughs> I have a feeling that we'll uh, get to them all in good time. But uh, especially Manu will be eager mm. to talk about them. Or Manu, would you like to talk about them now? No, I think we we need to kind of you know, we have a few other things to go through. Um, okay, well, the, it's coming, people. Whoever's <laughs> listening, they, they, it'll it'll be coming. But um, let let's then move on to uh, Pachuca uh, in that case. Um, well, Pachuca started off rather well, didn't they? But um, things seem to have uh, changed a little bit for them now as well as they dropped down to fourteenth um, this weekend. We've seen them uh, on well on the uh, worst side uh, of a 3-2 game uh, against the Monacos as they lost 3-2 at home. Um, Oli, um, let's look at this um, game a little bit closer. I mean, Pachuca started the campaign rather well. We we seem to suggest that they were back to a degree and now they've fallen off a bit. But uh, one man that seems to be ever-present uh, in delivering a high-level performance and was on the score sheet was Kazuki Honda. Yeah, so Honda, it's, if you get a chance, see his goal. It is an absolutely stunning free kick from about 25, 30 yards. Just absolutely hammers it. Top corner, real stunning goal. Yeah, but it's a weird one for Chuka. They look, I mean, the first game against Pumas, lost 3-2. They were all over them for the first half. And I was thinking, wow, Pachuca, you've taken time to get that going again. And now you're here. And then they were dreadful in the second half. Then drew with Club America, where they were decent. Smash, smash, sorry, smash Lobos 3 1 
and which was again the easy victory, then looked good against Tigra. And again here, they for parts of this game, they did look good. Again, a sending off did affect the game though, is uh, Jorge Hernandez. I mean it's it's quite a harsh one. It's just before half time, so real key point in the game. It's sort of a cut not he sort of dies, he goes in aggressively, his studs may be a bit raised, but I'm not sure how much he catches the player and give it a straight red. So again, another red card that's turned the game. A harsh one though, I would say. But yeah, it's, I mean, Honda is sort of not, I wouldn't say he's carrying this team at the moment, but nobody else is stepping up. I mean, I can't think of players. They, they signed Sebastian Palacios from um, Saleres de Cordoba from Argentina, who's supposed to come in, supposed to look like some really good potential. Hasn't started the league game yet, just getting 10, 15, 20 minutes off the bench. The likes of Yara, Sagal and Aguirre aren't really stepping up. And it's down to sort of Honda and Eric Gutierrez at the moment to really try and get this side really going. And it's it's it, it only happens for brief periods at the moment. So I don't want to say Diego Alonso's job is under threat because I think he's a really good manager, like good young manager who could go a long way with the style of football he plays. But at the moment, they're just making too many errors mm-hmm. and just and conceding far too many goals. What's it? They've conceded 12 goals in five games. That's not good enough at all. Well, well Oli, that's exactly it. Um, Cesar Hernandez, who we've had on the podcast uh, before, um, he sent out a tweet um, just yesterday saying, if you want to see some goals uh, this Liga MX season, watch Pachuca. Week one, they've seen themselves lose 3-2 to Pumas. Uh, the next week, they drew 2 all to America. Then they beat Lobos 3-1. Then they lost to Tigres 3-2. And then this week, we've seen them lost... 3-2 to uh, Monaco's as well. But uh, um, Manu, we've had a question on uh, on Twitter here. Uh, one of the uh, listeners, uh, by the way, anyone who wants a question or a topic covered, get in touch with us. Um, but I suppose you're going to be saying similar stuff to, to what Ollie's saying. The question was from at Shea Stephen Gill 1. Um, says, what's happening at Pachuca? Honda playing very well. We've obviously touched on Honda uh, is in great form, but uh, do you think there's stuff behind the scenes uh, that aren't quite going right, or, or, or what exactly is happening? Well, that's a very good question. I think what's interesting is that Honda ran straight to the manager after he scored that fantastic free kick. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that was his first reaction, and then the entire team went to Diego Alonso as well. And that's usually a sign that the team is behind the manager, but that there is question marks about the manager, right? Um, from the high ups, uppers. So that is, that is an interesting one. I mean, um, they look, they have, they have such a fantastic side and, um, Pachuca is such a big team that there is enormous expectations on them. Um, they won the CONCACAF Champions League, of course, um, under Diego, Diego Alonso. But they didn't manage the Liguela last year. Um, in the Clausura, they didn't manage the Liguela in the Apertura. And, um, the results, I mean, I, I watch Pachuca and I see if I see a great team playing there, but the, they don't, they don't nail down the results. And that is something that sooner or later <laughs> goes back to the head coach, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that is something that they will have to nail down. And I mean, it's great if you score a lot of goals, but if you score a lot of goals and the, the amount of goals that they have been scoring, um, <laughs> they think they lead the, they lead the league in scoring. Actually, they shouldn't be where they are right now. Um, they shouldn't be 14th. They should be in that top eight easily, but they're not because they're conceding. They also conceded the second most goals in the league. Um, 
behind uh, Lobos, who Oli will probably point out in a moment, can't defend. So, <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's great if you're that all scoring side. But if you consistently score a lot of goals, but you're still being outscored, then I think it's pretty easy to nail down with what's going wrong. And that's your defense. And yes, yellow and red cards do not help you in, in that case. So I think that's really something that they need to nail down. They need to, to make that next step and turn good performances into wins. They need to nail down their discipline in the back. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they manage to get on in the coming weeks, whether they can rectify this. I mean, they've got Vera Cruz next week, um, the, the last uh, game of the weekend. And, well, if, if they can't get a win in that, then there's just no hope for them whatsoever, is there? Uh, but let's move on. Um, we need to talk to Oli once again, um, because um, America, a team who maybe struggled for goals uh, in the last campaign, especially towards the end of it, um, managed to beat Lobos 5-1. Uh, we've seen uh, Henry Martin and get a, a hat-trick in this game. He seems to uh, really find his, his form there. I, th- I believe that's 5-5. Five and five. Uh, uh, But Oli, um, is it because America have uh, suddenly clicked a little bit more? They're playing better, or Lobos got issues? Uh, Lobos have issues. I mean, I we we know how much I sort of despise their back five that they play. It's it, yeah, an absolute mess at times. Didn't help. They get another, so many red cards this week as well. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez got sent off this week. Another one. He was trying to explain the red card. It was um. Sort of Peralta was sort of going away with the ball, sort of just crossed over the halfway line, and he sort of like went to try and like nip him with his foot like from behind to get the ball, but ended up basically like stamping on the back of his leg, on the back of his like, ankle. So it's uh, always going to be a straight red card, and that obviously helped. I mean, America were good. This this was a much more flowing attacking display, but I mean, Lobos just let them let them play, even with ten men. Even, they 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 went they, they went defensive even more so and they didn't have another defender on the pitch and they still were able to carve them open i mean martin was just i mean a few years ago just simple one was a one was a really good header from like 10 yards out to the sort of left hand side of the box but it was just he was just free to put it in another one was just like a free header from a corner just it's, it's frustrating to watch because a lot of us are good going forward they did miss julian quinellos this game i, I presume through injury there wasn't much uh, clarification on that which is a very key player for them, what probably the, the, the best attacking player they've got in the squad, maybe even the best player in the squad. And losing him doesn't help. To, you didn't, they really had, didn't really have much going forward, scored from a corner. America could have got a few more. Jeremy Menno scored a really, really good goal, good, good depth down the wing. Ball was crossed into him. He's sort of just inside the box on the volley, hits it first time, smashes it home, really good finish. So he's he's finally... I wouldn't say turned up now, but like that's a, that's a good way to Mike's second appearance. So maybe th- things are probably this with it's hard. You say, I'd say take it with a grain of salt, like you do with with most games against Lobos. Good to score five goals. Hopefully America now push on from here and saying, okay, we, we've done this against Lobos. Let's try and recreate this now to to a certain extent to a certain extent in our next few games. And guys, may I ask them? Obviously, with Lobos having a terrible backline, um, as Ollie said, and they, they feel to pick up a, a win at the moment. Uh, what does this mean relegation-wise? Because we've seen Vera Cruz, who practically dead and buried, possibly still are, uh, but they managed uh, a win against Carataro at the weekend. Uh, does this uh, change anything? Well, we have to bring out the calculator for that one. 
<laughs> it um, comes down to average now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does come down to average now, uh, which is unfortunate. We were, I guess we were all hoping that uh, we would see the relegation battle between teams that have the same amount of games so we could just go by total points. But um, no, unfortunately, it's gone down to point average, which means we, we need the calculator every match day. Um, right now, Lobos are at point at one point zero nine zero nine points. Um, so this is of course for this this year, right? And Veracruz <clears throat> over the last three seasons are at one point zero three three points on average. So there is, but, but Lobos will be only only declining this this last two campaigns, right? But this yeah. last season, right? Yeah, just just this com- this campaign. So they go by point average from this campaign. So I guess um Veracruz at I mean Veracruz are trying to get as many points as possible. They won of course this weekend, which helps them sort of unexpected I would say as well. It's it's really come down now to who's going to win, uh who's going to lose less. <laughs> you know. <laughs> because they're both not great sides, but you can't Lobos have been awful. I mean as great as is the start they had. Um, and as good as a campaign they had the first half, the second campaign with, you know, no wins, one draw, four defeats, five to 15 goals. Um, that means they lost on average every game one to five. Just to put this into perspective, it's Oops. hard seeing them get many points in the second half of the campaign, right? So, um, I can see their point total drop below that 1.03 and I could see Veracruz collecting enough points to get that. Um, it's just, it's unfortunate for us because last year we had such a great relegation battle where it really just came down to total points, um, which made it easier to calculate. And this, this year, I guess we have to go, um, as we get closer to the relegation, to the time where relegation gets determined, uh, towards the back end of the season. Well, I guess we'll have to do every match day with a calculator. <laughs> Yeah, but I, and I suppose because the Lobos, though, their game average, I mean, is going to be... Well, basically, if they've played less games than the likes of uh, Veracruz have uh, and the other teams around them, because they've only been in the uh, division for, for a year or two campaigns. Um, but that means that a win will be worth more to them, mm-hmm. won't it? That, that's right in saying, because it's it's, it, it's an average, right? Mm-hmm. So actually, a win or a draw is is going to be more significant for Lobos than it is Veracruz. No, but you have to see every time they draw now, the average goes down because they've played another game. Yeah, they have yeah. to get more points than the average point total is right now. So, um, yeah, it's it's not looking that great for them because right now. So let's see. The first half of the season, they had twenty-three points, right? Which is which is solid. It's very good. The first half of the season, they had a, um, had a very good point um, point total. But right now, they only have that one point, which means that in the in the twenty-four games played, right, they only have collected a total of twenty-four points now. Um, no, sorry, that's not that's not quite right. In the total ga- twenty-two games played, they have collected twenty-four points. So they're getting closer and closer to that 1.0. And Veracruz will definitely get more than 1.0 points at the end of this year. Right? 
Does yeah. that, that, that makes sense. I know, uh, as I said, bring out the calculator, do it math, but it, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, at this point, they need to start collecting points really quickly to not fall into that last spot. Yeah, if it's something like, say, Lobos were to win next week, then they would have 27 points overall, 23 games played. Their average would there be um, 1.173, etc. And for the, the team above them, Querotaro, at the moment they've got 100 points exactly and they've played 90 games. Say, for example, they then win next week, then they'd have to see 103 points, 91 games played, but then their average would be 1.131. So like that, just one win and Lobos will go automatically up above them. They might have to go above Atlas as well, given mm-hmm. based on the points as well. So it is, like they said, one win shoves them right back up the table, then one loss shoves them right back down. So they've just got to get points consistently as much as they can. Because, yeah, because otherwise Veracruz can just sort of now look at Lobos and think, okay, let's just like chip away on them or just watch them fail because they are just like spectacularly going down as it, as it stands, really. Maybe to answer your question, Bryce, yes, points will mean more for them, right? But yes. not gaining points will also mean more for them. No, yeah. If that makes course, sense, yeah. right? Gaining a point will bring up the average significantly, but not gaining any points will also drop their average significantly. Almost certainly, yeah. That, that That's exactly right. Um, it's going to be interesting to just see how this uh, plays out uh, next week. I mean, Veracruz are going to be at home to Pachuca. God knows what will happen there, um, but I'm sure there'll be goals. Uh, Lobos are at home to Atlas. We know Lobos are a little bit better at home. Oh, we might have something different to, to talk about there, but um, let's wait and find out. Eh? Uh, we'll, be, we'll be sitting at the side with our calculators. I just hope it's a close one come the end. At least it makes it more entertaining for us. But let's move on once again as we're running out of time, really. Um, and, Manu, we're going to come to the uh, Friday night, 6 p.m. in the UK time game, uh, where we've seen uh, Tigris take on your side, Pumas. Um, how exactly did it go? That's the Sunday night game, right? Yes, did I say Saturday? Said, you said Friday, my friend. You wish Friday. it was. You wish it was Friday oh. today. If only, if only. If no, the Sunday night game. My, the my Sunday bad. night game. Yes, and this that was. I mean, what a treat for for UK uh, listeners and watchers of the competition to get this game um, on a Sunday evening. Right? Um, it's a great. It's a great one for us too because that Sunday morning game is is a nice one. It's a 10 a.m. kickoff on the Pacific Coast. It's the right after lunch kickoff at, at the East Coast, and it's uh, smack right midday Mexican time. And this game was at, at the Capitol um, as well. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good one. I mean, last I guess last season or in the Apertura, we would have expected Tigres to absolutely destroy Pumas, but Pumas made a couple adjustments during the winter, and um, they're flying. <laughs> they're looking. They're looking completely different uh, Castillo is back in that side and um, he's helping them quite a lot but it's it's the it's everyone around him who's playing really well too he, you know he didn't he didn't actually score today and they still won against Tigris and that's no small feat now maybe the the only caveat that I have to add to this is the is the fact that this game is in the capital in Mexico it's at altitude right which gives the the home team which gives the likes of Club America or Pumas were both playing the, in the capital it gives them a bit of an advantage when they play against teams from you know the the lower parts of the country Monterey 
located in the very north, close to the border of Texas, uh, is in the lower part. But I, I thought this, this was a fantastic um, game. Actually, by both sides, I thought that both sides actually quite played really well. And this, this is a good advertisement for the league because they were both going for it. And um, yeah, some, the, the goals, <laughs> very, very good goals. Uh, uh, Rivas makes it, made it 1-0, um, beautiful header. Uh, from a wonderful cross and um actually when you look at crosses and and shots on goal you always see the altitude quite a bit um because they just flow differently into the box so you get a little bit different goal scored at the capitale so that was a good example of it and then that lob um by alostiza to make it to make it 2-0 and seal the deal also um one of those really weird long ball from the back uh, one or two touches and then big lob over the goalkeeper. And then that's again, a goal that, you know, is typical for, for goals scored at altitude. But yeah, good one from Pumas that, you know, the, the only downside is they lost, they won this game. Um, but they actually lost first place because Monterey scored five and ha- has it currently on goal differential. Um, but still, I mean, it's, it's shaping up nicely for them. They're now in that pack with America and Monterey up, up top. That, that's exactly it. We've got Monterey sitting at the top of the table with 11 points. We've got America on 11 points in second. And Pumas third with 11 points as well. So so all three sides unbeaten. Um, the four sides uh, in total have been unbeaten. Um, that would be Acholos uh, sitting in fifth, who would complete that four with Monacos sitting in fourth. So, yeah, quite uh, interesting and exciting times. But... Um, Guys, if we, if we look ahead, uh, if we look next week's games, we've, we've got one especially big one, which uh, is Tigres taking on Club America. That, that'll that be a, a very exciting encounter. Uh, but we've got another Twitter question. Um, so this one is from, well, at the Kerber Garrett. Um, so what he sent to us, and we'll put this one to uh, Ollie, I think. He said, uh, good to see Club America show some major killing instinct and just waste Lobos after the red card. Also, what a beautiful strike from Menes. With the big matchup against Tigers coming up, does he move into the starting 11 soon, or is he better as a sub at this point? What do you think, Ollie? Still at this moment... Yeah, I prefer him just as a sub. I think he'll still have to get used to life in Mexico. I think, and even like if you start your first game away at Tigre, it would be a bold call from Herrera. He might go possibly a tad more defensive against them, or might just like could just stick with the same side, which I could see him doing. I mean, if he does come in for anyone, it'd probably be in for Dominguez on the left. But he, he did show what he can do when he's on the pitch. An absolutely fabulous goal to wrap up the victory. So it's not out of the possibility that he could come in, and he. But for the moment, I think he'll be seen as an impact player. Maybe give it a few weeks' time, then then we'll see him as a starter and really show him what he can do. Well, there you go. Hopefully that satisfies uh, another listener. Um, Manu, how much are you looking forward to this game next week? Oh, I'm thrilled. I am absolutely thrilled about this game. Um... I'm actually going to be down in the States, so it's, it's going to be very easy to watch, um, watch it from any bar, really, um, that I'm at. And then I think this is prime time television and it's two giants, um, you know, two teams, 
that face each other quite often and um, have made up finals in the past before and faced each other in um, CONCACAF Champions League finals too. And Club America have looked good um, this far in the season. You know, this this game against Lobos, yes, it's only Lobos um, who can't hmm. defend. But I think it's it's going to be interesting because Tigers will have something to make up. That defeat, I think, against Pumas is something that's is, it, that's going to bother them. And um, maybe beating up Pumas' city rival is exactly that will that will um, help them a little bit. But, I mean, you see so much star power on the pitch um, for both sides. And... It's always such a special game when these two, when those, when you see the two, two of the big ones play against each other. Now, of course, you have to outline this, this, this is not one of the, the grandes. Uh, Tigres is not traditionally one of the big four, right? It's only in recent years that they have really emerged as a superpower Mexican football. So it's called, kind of a, um, an upstart team against one of the really old established teams. Um, yet it's still such a gigantic matchup. Well, yes, indeed. And Oli, is there, any other games coming up uh, next week that you'd like to highlight um, for any of our uh, listeners? I think the uh, 1 a.m. game for UK watchers on a Saturday morning, so that'd be the 7 p.m. game, Mexico, and probably 5, 6 in the US slash Canada. Uh, Monarchos versus Pumas. Mm. I think that could be a. I think that could be a very interesting game. Monarchos. I think I said before. I. They're a really good side to watch. They are very good at home, very strong. Fans really get behind and make it kind of like a can make it like a cauldron at times. And obviously, starting the season as well as they finished it as well. Pumas, I mean, great form at the moment. Probably the battle of possibly two of the best strikers in the league with Rui Diaz versus Castillo. Castillo, obviously, better than Rui Diaz. And yeah, I think that could be. It, it's probably not going to be Tigre America good because that. Is, that game has a lot, whole lot of reasons. But as two of the sides who are Monarchos, again, wanted to prove that they can mix it with the big boys and Puma's trying to get back amongst it after a year and a half away could be an interesting one. As you can see, whoever wins that game could really go on and have a very, very strong Clausera. And is there is there any positives to mention um, ahead of... Uh, well, a, a fixture time that we'd like to promote a little bit for the, the European... Uh, watchers or listeners of the pods and that's the 6 p.m uk time on sunday at toluca taking on monterey um all is there any reasons why someone should uh, tune into this what should they expect monterey are playing away from home so therefore they will counter attack and will attack unbelievably well i, I can't think of many more reasons why you, you want to see probably one of the a team with potentially the best like front four even if they want to front five in the league tearing it up against a Toluca side who have just been a bit indifferent so far. Yeah, maybe even maybe even watch one of the best teams that you that are not part of European football. Yes, yes. Um I think watching Monterey is always a treat. So and getting to see them at six PM UK time is a fantastic way of getting introduced into the league. Yeah, very much so. Um yeah definitely a, a side worth watching, tuning into you can expect goals in that one and plenty of uh, exciting attacking football but that more or less does it uh, for this week uh, once again um ollie is there anything you'd like to bring uh, people's attention to i mean you're obviously working off a different uh, twitter handle these days i am yes i'm on my normal twitter now at old duxbury o-l-d-u-x-b-u-r-y do i have anything to bring to people i'll probably be tweeting about some mexican stuff during this week whatever happens 
I mean, I could, I could tell people about Superette and stuff, but I don't think many people would be interested in friendlies at the moment. So send out a picture or two. Come on, Elite. You know, <laughs> let, let, you try and get us uh, involved in this as well. We, we want to see what exactly you're watching during the week. When I watch a friendly and I'll find a ground that's like being played in like a forest or something like that, I will tweet out a picture to show you the sort of standard of grounds I'm now watching compared to like Monterey's super ground to one that's just, that only like 200 people attend. <laughs> There we go. That's the spirit. Good man. <laughs> um, Manu, what have you got going on this week? You've always got plenty. Um, it's obviously, at Football Grad Live, if nobody's uh, already fall or not following it online, then to get involved. But uh, Manu, you've always got loads of contests coming up. Is there anything you'd like to bring to people's attention? Yeah, we're going to obviously preview the, the big game, Tigris Club America. We also have previews coming up for the German Cup which is midweek, so that will be at Football Grad Live. And um, I think we're going to start just featuring um, some of the players to look out for um, for Russia 2018. That's coming up really quick. And then we want to sort of introduce some of the players that you want to look out for. Um, so that will be all at Football Grad Live. And you can follow me, of course, at Manuel Weff. And feel free, um, abuse me, send me questions, whatever. Uh, just that's what, it, what Twitter is there for these days anyway. So... Yeah, follow me at Manuel Weff um, on Twitter. Abuse. As if anyone <laughs> would give you abuse. Um, <laughs> uh, guys, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to the likes of uh, iTunes or any of the other formats and uh, just give us a bit of feedback, um, hopefully something uh, positive. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're also trying to welcome as much as we can um, some questions, uh, some topics to discuss on Twitter. So uh, yeah, get in touch with us. Um, at Golato Podcast um, Twitter handle, or or just Manu, Ollie, or or myself. Um, you can get me on Twitter at Bryston11 as well. And yeah, we'll try and get back uh, in touch with those questions, but we'll also try to discuss them on here, I think. Um, but uh, until then, until next week, um, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in and goodbye. <laughs>the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.